Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast about failure and success, hosted by John Biggs. Every week, we talk to an amazing person about a time they failed and what they learned. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. Welcome back to Keep Going. This is a podcast about failure and more importantly success and the success we have on the show today is Ruben Balling. He's absolutely one of my favorite cartoonists. I've been reading him since uh, since I was a, a youngster in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, welcome Ruben. Oh thank you John. Uh, glad to be here. I'm just I'm actually just back from Columbus. Uh, there was a cartoonist convention uh, there last weekend. I'm sorry uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a good time. It was. It's all right. It's a good. It's a nice city. It's a very calm and it's a calm and collected city. I enjoy it still. We had fun. Yeah. Were you? You were there with I think uh, Durf, back Durf, and a couple other people. No. Or no. He didn't no. Come. Durf, Durf was He's in Paris. In, Durf is in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. But like you know, Keith Knight and Ward Sutton are my two old buddies who I was really hanging wow. out with. But uh, but there are, you know lots of editorial cartoonists there and the cart. What is it? Cartoonist cartoons crossroads Columbus. Uh, is a cartoon convention, general cartoon convention, where uh, a lot of different kinds of cartoonists come. So mm-hmm. it was kind of both things were done in conjunction. So uh, yeah, it was a nice time. Good, Great. good university town. No, yeah, no, it's an excellent. It, it 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 was an excellent university town. That's that that's what I can say for it. I mean, we had <laughs> we had great we had great bars. It's a little bit different than I than I remember. Uh, but anyway, let's not, let's not talk about the, uh, success and failure of Columbus, but let's talk about <laughs> your success and failure. Uh, I mean, everybody, everybody knows that you're a, uh, you're a world-renowned like political cartoonist. And I wouldn't even say political. I would just say an amazing cartoonist. Uh, you're, you have a whimsical sense, uh, and you're extremely, uh, biting when you need to be. Uh, but I think, guess there was a time when, uh, when it didn't all work out, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been doing this, I've been doing the comic strip since 1990. Uh, so I've had ups and downs, even within the comic strip, millions of them, uh, successes and failures. And then, you know, before just launching the comic strip, get trying to get something else launched. I originally wanted to be a daily car- comic strip cartoonist. Um, and uh, that didn't work. So I became a weekly alternative newspaper style uh cartoonist and said and that's instead and that's what I started in 1990 uh, but since then you know I've got successes where I've gotten into newspapers and I've successes uh, failures where I've been canceled I've had successes where I figured out ways to make the business model work and I've had failures where you know my business model which was newspaper syndication uh, just fell apart under my feet and mm-hmm. uh, I had no I was about to lose the comic strip. It was uh, it was in a vanishingly small number of. Uh, I went from probably about two hundred newspapers to I don't know a small number, uh, dozens, um, and that just would not sustain it. So I've had to you know recover from that. Um, and you know just I can think of you know every year I've had successes and failures, major and small. How do you? How did you how did you manage that? I mean, look, your 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 bread and butter used to be the alternative weekly. When when that all kind of uh when that all kind of tanked, what what were you thinking at that point and what were some of the things that you did to I mean, keep the keep the uh keep the dream alive, I guess. 
Yeah, that that was a really tough time because and I I knew that the the internet was killing print newspapers. Um, so I was losing not just alternative weekly papers. I was in a lot of daily newspapers. I was in the Washington Post every every week. Um, the New York Times at one point about once a month. Um, and then, you know, lots of just, you know, all around, all across the country, lots of daily and weekly newspapers. And um, I could see it disappearing. I was losing these clients one by one. And I knew that the internet was killing it, killing them. And I didn't, couldn't figure out how to make the internet work for me because my internet strategy at that point was just, um, I had one client that was good. It was called salon.com. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. One of the first, uh, um, I mean, I, I was, you know, well positioned in the beginning because I was in one of the very first internet magazines and it was successful. But that was the only, my only internet strategy was being that, being a client. And that was a terrible strategy because it's just one client. It's like basically one newspaper. And the whole syndication model is based on having lots of them. And I was losing them and it wasn't coming back. The whole idea of geographical exclusivity was being rendered obsolete by the internet. And that's what it's based on. So, um, yeah, I had to throw a Hail Mary. And, and what that was, was what I figured out was I decided to launch a, a subscription service. Um, I figured, all right, I'm getting a lot of eyeballs from the Internet, both Salon.com and Go Comics and, and other, other venues, but they don't pay that well. Maybe I can use, how do I leverage that to, to get, to, to make the comic book, the comic strip sustainable? And so... Yeah, I uh, I decided to start a uh, subscription service, and I had no idea what was going to happen with it. I I thought this could be, you know, I could launch this. I I really had no sense of my readership and and how many people really liked it and sense of loyalty. There was almost no like feedback going on. Um, I had no sense of the numbers, um, and so I sort of closed my eyes and launched a subscription service where I like. I used MailChimp and and another service to try to work on you know a subscription payments so I wouldn't have to do it. And uh, the day that I launched it, it became the single biggest revenue source I'd ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that model has become. This is before the model became commonplace with Patreon and Substack. But you know, I, I'm sure you know it was just percolating up because it was sort of it was. It didn't feel obvious to me, but it was sort of the obvious next step. And so, you know, asking readers directly for money uh, to, to continue. So my idea was I would sell, I would send them the comic strip a day before it's published. So I, I'm offering them, you know, something of value that I hope that they, they think is worthwhile. Uh, and that's what, that's what swung it. And then quickly I realized, all right, this is where, strangely, this is where my cartooning career is. This is my new boss. And uh, mm-hmm. everything else I did, the um, the newspapers, the uh, websites, any other thing else thing I did was was a vehicle to build that subscription. So I mean, yeah, I was on the brink of, of total failure. That's an interesting thing because you're because and you didn't even see like I would have I as from an outsider I would I would look at I would look at your uh, your career and I would say look a hundred percent I'd I'll pay you for the inner hive which is what it's called instantly, but you. On your side, you basically saw it went, the cartoon went out the door, it showed up in some newspapers, and you had no idea if anybody out there was listening. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a, like a bottle in the ocean, right? 
There, there were times in my career when it was literally a, I mean, a, that's exactly the right analogy, a bottle in the ocean. I, I would send out the comic ship. At one point, I was self-syndicated, so I would put the comics in envelopes, send them out to all these newspapers, and then nothing. And then mm-hmm. next week, I would do it again, and week after week, <laughs> uh, and I wasn't sure if I was being punked, you know? Like, is this is this really happening, or or are these, like, are these newspapers sending me, like, checks and snickering? Uh, like, they're, it's an elaborate, expensive, um, uh, uh, practical joke, because I, uh, you know, before there it was email... And like uh, and the internet, yeah, that was something like that. The internet helped a little bit, but I still had no sense of the numbers and the level of loyalty that readers had to the comic strip. And it was that day was one of the best days of my life when I when I found out, oh, they're they're there. People are willing to do this. I can't believe it. Um, I really was was shocked, and it was you know a desperate move, but it uh, 100% worked. The best thing I ever did. Is there anything that you would recommend in terms of like, I don't want to say best practices or whatever, but just how do you how do you maintain that that uh, community once you have it? Well, I always feel from this is everyone's got a different perspective on this, and I don't no one no I don't feel like anyone you know can do this incorrectly if it works for them. But for me, I feel as though I'm not asking you know it's called Patreon because you're going to be a patron of this person, and mm-hmm. I feel as though. My philosophy is they're they're not being patrons. They're not they're not giving me money because they like me. Um, I'm offering them a extra content, the comic before it's published anywhere. I sort of went from geographic exclusivity, the syndication model, to temporal exclusivity. So the, the inner hive gets it on one day, boing boing it pays to premiere it on the next day. The next day another uh, Daily Coast gets it. Then, you know, I go send, you know, it's just, I just sort of stagger it by days. So I feel as though I'm, I'm, uh, I was, they're my boss. This is my, this is my most important audience. And so I want to give them, I just work for them. And uh, I give them the comic bef- a day before and I give them extra content and anything I can think of in terms of uh, benefits and anything exclusive that I can give them. They see everything before it goes out, book covers, um, you know, anything that uh, I send them, I show them, you know, sketches mm-hmm. of comics and um, original artwork, um, you know, when, uh, not every time, but when I think something's interesting that to, to show them or when, you know, I did something that I think is worthwhile. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's how I view it is that um, I'm, I'm, you know, this, these people are getting an extra, extra content and extra service. Um, and I just work as hard as I can for them to make each one mm-hmm. of those things as, as good as I can. I think it's like an artist would almost feel that that might be a little humbling. How do you, how do you, uh, how do you control that feeling of, Hey, I'm working for a faceless mob, quote unquote. Right. And I think, I think a lot of artists are in this, in this situation where they, where they, produce and they don't want feedback they don't want to they don't want criticism etc uh because hey i'm doing something for you um and you should just enjoy it and i'm and i i think that's i think that's a little cynical the way i say it but i think that's that's could be a could be a reaction to this i think no it's a great question because i found it really humbling and and my original idea when i was going to become a syndicated cartoonist was that i would just hide behind my comic strip I even has have a pen name, mm-hmm. um, and I would wouldn't even do interviews. I would just send out my comic, 
I sort of like, you know, my hero, Gary Trudeau, just mm-hmm. sort of sends out his comic strip, and it is what it is. He's done more interviews now, but at the time I started, I think he was famous for just not doing interviews, and I felt as though that was, that's what I wanted to do. And then it's been humbling that I've had to expose, you know, more and more of myself and hustle and, you know, and, and shake my butt, uh, you know, more and more. And it could be viewed as humbling. And maybe there were certain steps that were, you know, now I'm on social media, you know, I'm just like out there. I'm just mm-hmm. me. It's just, it's the opposite of the way I thought I would do it. And the way I thought I would do it was the most um, dignified uh, way to be an artist, I thought. Um but in fact, um, I found it to be fun. I mean, there's a, this huge group of people that like me enough to pay for these comics, um, and having a direct relationship with them is is only delightful. Um, even Twitter, which I, you know, joined reluctantly, and you know, believe me, I know there are huge negatives to being, you know, to all <laughs> social media sites and Twitter. But overall, it's it's been a real positive, you know, I, I sure I, I have to, you know, cringe and put up a lot of, you know, promotional things, you know, the new comic is out and here's and please join the inner hive. And, but I also have fun with it. And I, and I had tons, lots of jokes and I've met lots of people through it. So each step may have been considered humbling, but ultimately it was, uh, it's been a positive and, and fun. And, you know, I spent a lot more of my time hustling and, you know, running the, a business that's a lot of promotion, a lot more than I ever thought I would. Uh, but that's what, you know, is keeping the, the comic strip alive. And that's, you know, the result of people uh, liking it enough for that to pay. So, uh, you know, every time someone joins the Inner Hive or buys a book, I, I am literally so thankful. Um, I stop and, and, uh, and you know, <laughs> express gratitude. Uh, to, often to them, but also just to the, you know to the universe that that you know this that this is this is the way it mm-hmm. is. Was there ever a uh, was there ever a uh, plan B if the if the internet stuff didn't work out or if or if, um, if you well, just kind of if you just kind of like whiffed it on that? No, first, John, I'm I'm all step. about plan Bs. I've, mm-hmm. I've had a plan B forever. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am. I've had another career. I mean, mm-hmm. I for a long time I did the cartooning, the weekly cartooning, and everything about re- revolving around it. While I had um, either a uh, a day jo- uh, like an hourly day job, or a half time day job, or for a huge chunk of my career, a real full time job. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, now that job was in the, uh, that, that my biggest job was in the financial, uh, field. And so in 2008, um, I figured I had these two careers that I was working so hard on two real jobs working so hard, but I always figured, you know, if one of them fails, at least I have the other one. And in mm-hmm. 2008, both the financial <laughs> services industry failed and, uh, print newspapers failed simultaneously. Uh, so yeah, that was a, that was a perfect storm that, that was, and that was a truly difficult time in my life, my family's life. It was, uh, that was rough. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's fascinating. You, you're, you're super successful on the, on the, comic book uh the, the cartooning front and then and then to also have well, that backup is important as well would, would you recommend yeah, it, that it really for an was. artist I'm, I'm, would you recommend that like do they does should an artist always have to uh have to make sure that the uh the uh whatchamacallit the, the pram of the pram in the hall is the death of art or whatever 
Yeah, I know. I, I needed it. Uh, you know, I live in New York City. This is where my family is. Uh, there was just no doubt. I mean, uh, even now we're a double income family. I'm, uh, the comic strip is doing better than ever um, on, on multiple fronts. Uh, and, and so I don't have that extra job. Uh, but yeah, there were times when I absolutely needed it when the kids were, were little. It was it was super hard. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't do what I did then. I used to, you know, go to work all day Thursday, come home, bathe the kids, have dinner with them, put them to bed, and then start drawing my comic strip. And I would pull an all-nighter until mm-hmm. Friday morning, maybe an hour or two or sleep, depending on when I finished it, and then go in to work on Friday and uh, try to keep my Fridays light, <laughs> try to keep my head down, <laughs> uh, and then collapse Friday night. But yeah, mm-hmm. I just, I don't think I could physically do that anymore. That's just, uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't recommend that to, it, it was super hard, but you know, there's something about the, my cartooning that I just, I'm just, it's just a compulsion. I've just got to do it as something. It's a thing I've worked on relentlessly, uh, just uh without you know just just working so hard my my whole life on i don't i don't know what drives me to so hard to do that but i've been doing it for you know over 30 years yeah that's the interesting idea like the 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 thing that did drive you to past like like you you hit it you hit a you hit a certain plateau of success with the with the print uh and then to be driven enough to find that next layer of success, which I, a lot of, a lot of, even like, let's, 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 let's face it. A lot of like nineties musicians, eighties musicians didn't, uh, and artists and writers, they didn't pop out the other end of the, uh, of the two thousands with, yeah, and, uh, and cartoonists, believe me, there's yeah. uh yeah, there's a, uh, it's littered. The, the path is littered with people who'd, who weren't able to make the transition. I, I was lucky. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I was lucky that I had enough people and figured out a way quickly enough to make it work, but enough people to, to, to make it work. And I had built up, I guess, what I was doing all those other years were building up the exposure uh, and g- gaining the audience that, you know, I guess secretly, I didn't know what was happening, uh, but building up that audience so that when I needed them, they, uh, you know, came through for me uh, totally. But yeah, that wasn't a sure thing. That's wonderful. What what are you working on now? What what should people be uh, be buying right now? Um, well, there's the Inner Hive. The Inner Hive, mm-hmm. as I said, a, a fantastic fun every single week. Um, it's the, it's but a- also, <laughs> but I'm also I'm what I'm really excited about is uh, Clover Press is a, a small comics publisher, and they approached me about uh, doing a multi-volume complete Tom the Dancing Bug oh, uh, wow. set of books. So we are. I've I, we've put out six books in the last uh, maybe two two years, mm-hmm. um, so we started we started with volume seven, um, which covers the four years basically the four years of Trump, and then we're mm-hmm. going backwards each with each volume four more years of the complete comic strip. So when we're done, we'll have actually eight volumes of the complete Tom the Dancing Bug. And it's it's going great. The people are uh, buying it. They're doing, Clover Press is doing a great job with the, the publishing and, you know, the spine, the, what my big thing was the spines have to align so that when you put them on your bookcase, it look, <laughs> just looks perfect, one through eight. Uh, and um, it's great. We've done volume eight, seven, six, uh, no, sorry, seven, six, five, four comes out in a couple weeks. 
three the cover is done so yeah it's it's really it's been great fun and uh yeah it's the it's the complete tom the dancing bug um so, so it's, so, it's going to be an omnibus i think it's i think it's it's getting into a, it's up there with uh the encyclopedia britannica that's right that's I that's so. what i'm, I'm going to be selling them door to door and brushes <laughs> Ruben balling this is uh this has been a real treat i really appreciate this it's uh and it's and it's and it's nice to hear about an artist who who's who was able to like pull out of that tailspin and i'm sure many other people were in that same same boat and and as you said they didn't they didn't pull it out and they didn't keep going well, I, yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I, 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 it's been a, a crazy ride, but, uh, yeah, I'm really happy with where, where I am and the comic strip is now for sure. All right. This is keep going podcast about failure and success. I'm John Biggs. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of keep going. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening. And remember, when you're going through hell, keep going. And